Hey, everybody. Welcome to this year's Leafs Collapse podcast. I'm Chaps. Walsh's going to join me here in a minute. We're going to break down Game 7, where the Leafs go from here, and what it's like for Leafs fans now. Um, it's a sad day in Leaf fandom. However, the podcast is now up on Google Podcasts if you want to find us there. So continue to rate and subscribe to the show. Um, we're having fun time doing it. We're hoping you guys are having fun listening. So without further ado, here comes the annual Leafs of Let Us Down podcast. Okay, so we're sitting here. We got to eat a little bit of crow here today. Um, the Leafs lost game seven Monday. We're, we're recording on Thursday. We wanted to give it a few days until you know the team had spoken and we could kind of let everything sink in. So Leafs are out. It wasn't a sweep, like I, like I said. Uh, what did you think of, of Game 7, Walshie? Well, look, before we get into Game 7, I, I too, I needed a little bit of time to marinate over this. Oh, my. Um, and, uh, you know, a little bit of shock, obviously. Not a little bit, a lot of shock. I'm, I'm very shocked at kind of how this, this ended. Um, before, before we go further, though, so I should have asked you this. Is this the worst collapse yet? Oh, for me, absolutely. Yeah, the, me too. The, 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 because before, look, it was a bit different. The expectations weren't there. Okay, even there was one, the one series, the, the last series against Boston where the Leafs had the 3-2 the three, two three, two. coming yeah. home. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and really kind of outplayed Boston that series. Okay, that hurt a little. Yeah. Um, but uh, But this one hurts a lot more just simply because this team – for sure is the best team that, that the Leafs have had in, in, in my fandom. It's not close. Yeah. And uh, this one really stings. It stings for a couple of reasons. Number one, the expectations were higher. Yeah. Number two, now you have to listen to these King Habs fans. Gosh. And it's it's just the worst, the man. Wor- these guys yeah, are killing me. And, and I, it's hard to deal with, right? So that, that makes it kind of even worse for me. It's impossible. My brother-in-law is a big Habs fan, and we canceled our trip to go visit them just so I didn't have to deal with this. So I canceled the flight. <laughs> not, that's how bad it is to deal with Habs fans because you're like, I'm not, I, I can't listen to these guys talk about how great the Habs are and the Leafs are a joke. And but here we are, the Leafs are a joke again. The Leafs are a joke, man. It's uh, it's a, it's a broken record. It's a recurring story. It it just feels a bit surreal this time. So let's get into yeah oh god does it ever uh, so let's get into game seven and uh, you know we both expected that the Leafs were going to win and we both expected the big guys to show up and we were both wrong what did you see in game seven that we that you weren't expecting look I I really felt from the puck drop it didn't look like the Habs were ever going to lose that game yeah and it it was from the puck drop it just seemed that the the Leafs had you you know how we were talking earlier about okay the Habs looked like they were slowing down at the end of game six and into overtime they looked like a tired team well I I tell you what it looked like the absolute reverse yeah (laughs) at the start of game seven where where the Leafs team maybe the push at the end of game five and game six with their you know top six guys and their top four D really had an impact on game seven, but 
at no point did it look like the Habs were going to lose that game. And um, there, there was just very little, very little pushback from the Leafs at all in that game. And it, I yeah. think that's what's the most disappointing. Well, and especially like, especially once Montreal gets that goal, you just saw like, you just saw them close off the neutral zone and they, they denied the blue line. They so well, they just, it was two to three guys denying the puck carrier, the, the entry and Toronto just refused to make any change to what they were doing. It was constantly, and this is how they play. They, they do turnbacks, they keep puck possession. They try and reattack at no point. Did they just decide let's chip and chase and, and change up our style. They just refused to do it. No, they put no pucks behind the defenseman. They, 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 I don't know if they laid a hit on those D um, you got to make sure a couple of guys. There. I mean, those guys are playing a lot of minutes. You're, you're not, you're not yeah. forcing them kind of into tough, de- uh, tough decisions and, in you know, in turnover areas. And, you know, it just seemed a little bit too easy in game seven for, for the Habs. And, and look, this is, this has been the MO for the Leafs for a while. You know, one thing that we didn't touch on as well is in that game, did you not find that, Okay, the the Leafs were really trying this stretch pass and yes and, and yes really getting away from basic hockey. Like I I, yeah. I looked at that and I was just like, man, Keith, you've got to you Stop know it. bring these guys back and get them yeah. low and come out as a unit and you know forget this stretch pass that okay yeah. it worked a couple of times in the series and you know ended up in a couple of breakaways. But look, that's not how you win hockey games. That's not how you win in playoffs. And it just especially. It just especially looked the, desperate, didn't it? Didn't it look yeah, desperate? Especially the way Montreal was defending. Like you were stretching a pass into one guy with four Habs standing there, and then he's standing still with with no momentum. Like if you're gonna if you're if you're gonna beat what the Habs were doing, it's get back and come with some speed and then chip it behind them and make them turn and skate. And with Sherratt and Weber playing as much as they did, like those D were primed for the Leafs to use their speed and throw pucks behind them and make them turn and skate with them. And they just didn't do it. And like, we'll get into Keith here in a, well, let's do Keith now. Okay. I wanted to, I wanted to move into Keith as well. Yeah. Because that was was the next point for me also. Because like, I think, I think watching the game, it was quite clear. Montreal had a game plan and it was, defend at all costs and Toronto will turn the puck over and they'll give us a chance. And that's exactly what happened with Marner, who we'll talk later on the first goal. And once that was the goal, like we were talking in the, in the group chat, it just never felt like Toronto made any adjustments. And I think Keith really struggled in the last, the second half of this series. Um, He absolutely struggled. I I feel like the Leafs got out coached a bit here. Yeah. Um, And I'm by another rookie coach. I'm very shocked to say that. Because I yeah. think Keith is a good coach, and I think he's done a great job all year. But th- look, there were there were clearly guys that were going, and clearly guys that weren't. And okay, and guys that he, were never going to score. Yeah, and 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 look, you mentioned Marner, but at some point, don't you? I know he's an eleven million dollar player, but look, like that that's this is kind of where you need this John Tortorella, you know, mindset to say, look, you're not getting it done. Yeah, you're not. It's game seven. Our our lives are on the line here and I'm I've I've had six games and 18 of the last playoff games to watch here that and, tells me you're not going to get it done. Yeah. And and look, I've got guys that that are that are working that are that are really pushing the pace out there that are trying to win this game like okay, we can talk about Kerfoot, 
Nylander, uh, Spezza, look, they, they never had the same game in game seven either, but no. they were clearly outplaying, you know, other guys. And, and Keith just never, never had the balls to, to no. make the change. Right. And, and that's where I think like a guy like towards, you know, he, he would. Yeah. Um, but, but I was really disappointed that, that Keith just never, just never made a change. I, I, it was so, so disappointing to me. For somebody who tinkered constantly in the regular season, and since he got here, really, like that was that was everybody's complaint with Babcock, right? Was he doesn't change anything? It's all the same lines, all the same system, and just keep grinding. And when Keith, for the second he got here, it's been, I'm changing this, I'm changing that, I'm doing all this thing differently. And then when we get to the moment, the playoffs here, he he was so married to Matthews and Marner playing on the same line together, and Thornton in the lineup and on the power play and Simmons on the power play and his power play set up and nothing changed whatsoever. And when it was so clear, it just wasn't going to get it done. Like I don't, I, he's got to look back at this and think like this was a huge mistake on his part. Absolutely. He has to. And, and look, he, uh, he did tinker a little bit, but he tinkered the wrong way. That's right. right. Like he, he moved, he would move Nylander up, and, and go with a big three, but that's not the big three that they needed. No, he needed Hyman with Nylander yes. and, and, and Matthews, but it's almost yes. like it was like, Oh, we can't, we can't hurt Mitch's feelings here and move him off that line or off that spot on the power play. And it just Nylander and Matthews have a history of playing together and, and getting it done. It wasn't an experiment that you didn't know would work. I, know. I can't understand why he didn't make that change. It was so obvious. I know. Same it, with the it, power play. It, it it was the same with the power play. Like it's that power play. Oh my God. Like, look, I, a lot of these reports coming out, I, oh. I have a hard time believing these things. And, and thankfully Mitch has come out and said, look, this is absolutely a fucking lie. But, but man, like you I don't gotta know, man. have something I don't know. better up top on that. On, the, on that power play. And I don't know why the coaching staff just didn't change it. Well, right? they, they did late in the game, but it was too late. It was yeah. too late. And, but here's my thing. So we, I don't want to dig too much into the media stuff on this, but I'll say this about those reports. So it's either Marner refuses to move or the coaching staff isn't smart enough to understand it's not working. It's one of the two. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. Which one it is, I don't know, but neither one of them are good. No, that, 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 that's right. Um, so but maybe it's Mitch saying, I don't want to move off there. And if it is, then you've got a coach who, can't, who, who doesn't want to stand up to a star player, even though whatever's working isn't. Or Mitch is right, and that's not true at all. And your coaching staff isn't smart enough to make an adjustment to something that's been a train wreck for four months. Yeah. So yeah. either situation, you look at it and you go, well, fuck, neither one of those are good. No, you're and... you're you're 100% right. And like I I think look, I never even thought about it that way. I, yeah. I was just happy to hear like Mitch come out and deny it, right? Like but either way it's a bad it's a, it's, it's, bad. it's just bad for the team. It That's doesn't right. look it, good. It's a bad look. Yeah, and we'll t- we may as well talk Marner now cuz we're diving into it. Like this isn't a one playoff situation for him. So anybody who's complaining that Mitch is taking too much heat on this I'm sorry. This is what comes. This is why you get the money. And and I don't want to hear people say, well, he makes $10 million. It means 
doesn't mean you can abuse him. It's not that people are abusing him. Mitch Marner for two years has done everything he can to put himself above the team, in my opinion. When he was going through his contract negotiation, it was, I'm jumping on planes and going looking for offer sheets. Has anybody else ever done that? No. And then he comes back last year and he has a bad year. And in the playoffs, he says, I wasn't ready. And now it's reports that he won't move off the power play spot. And then he has a shitty playoffs and like, man, he's, he's taking the, the, the right amount of heat to me. Oh, 100%. Maybe, maybe not enough. Like he, he, he's getting benefited out and people coming of coming out and saying, Hey, look, like these, like you said, these are people too. Like, Look, this this comes with the territory of being a superstar. That's right. I'm sorry. This is this is part of the job. And if you um, don't like the job, like listen, I get I, I fully get people wanting to talk about athletes' mental health, but I'll also say this no one's forcing them to be athletes. So when you want to be a professional athlete and you want to be a star player, what comes with the job is the responsibility of getting it done. And if you don't, you take heavy criticism. Absolutely. You, and that's you why you this get in paid. every sport. That's in right. And that's sport. why you get paid heavy dollars. Look, and, and they're not getting as much heat, like as much as an Aaron Rodgers not getting it done, or <laughs> a Pat Mahomes not getting it done, or a Tom Brady, or a Josh Allen, or yeah. LeBron James. Like, let, <laughs> let's, let's not pretend that the, this is a, a just a Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews thing. No. It happens in every sport with every star. Connor McDavid, Leon Drysdale are taking the same heat. That's right, guys. Like, <laughs> this is part of the job. And yeah, and when you, you... Can't deal with it, then then look, you're you're not you're not up for it. You're not part. Like, you you need to be able to handle these these things and and have thick skin and and uh, and perform. And here's the other reality for for Marner is, if he had have played better and they lost and he was taking heat, it would be different. But he played terribly. He just was awful. And did, he's supposed did, to be a difference maker. And he wasn't that. Did you... What was your take on him in Game 7? Did he not look like... Terrified. He looked terrified, terrified right? Like, yes. terrified out there. He like, was so nervous. I, and, and look, this was exactly how he looked last playoffs. Exactly. Like, just losing the puck for no reason giveaways for like with no one around him you know the puck coming out to him on the point on the power play and just you know going through his legs like yeah. it, it's it's absolutely mind-blowing to me that that under pressure that this guy just folds like this like he folds it's been time and time again like and he's i think one of these guys that i think if if i don't get something early or if things don't go my way, I, I'm, I can't mentally move past it. And the, I think a big part of it, too, also is if he's making Nylander money and you can afford a couple other players around them to help out, it's not, I don't want to say it's not as noticeable, but like you can survive it. When he's making what he makes... He just, it, it makes it so much worse that he played so badly because you don't have anything behind them because they got so many guys making so much money. If he's making what Point is making, who who's $4 million less, you can afford two players underneath them to support. 
I'm, I'm glad you brought up point because, you know, one of the other things that I think about, okay, this, this star group, okay. I, I want to talk about one thing first, um, but okay. It, they, these things kind of go together, right? Cause a lot of people are talking about how well price played in the series and how good he was and that Not he game stole five, it. He didn't steal games five through seven. They didn't play well enough. The, you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. But listen, he, he did play great. There's no yes. question. Carry Price was Carry Price. He played great. Yeah. But when I when I started thinking about this, it's like, man, this seems to be a similar thing year over year. We get into the playoffs. Carry P- Price looks great. Last year, it was Corpusalo and Elvis Merzpins. Yep. Like, it's um, Tuka Rask before that. Yeah. Like, Apparently every goalie in the league <laughs> like has, becomes, has their best series ever becomes Dominic Hasek <laughs> against the Leafs in the playoffs. And, and look, I think there's a reason for that. I think it's what you just touched on about Braden point, right? The transitioning to, to Braden point to score goals in the playoffs. You, you've got to get to the net. Look at Corey Perry's goals. Look at Corey Perry's goals. Look at his goal last night. Like, the, yeah. the stall goal last night. Look at the way Gallagher scores goals. Yeah. Like, I I cannot think outside of a couple of, let's Hyman call it Nylander goals in the crease, of of anything that, that we've seen and, and the chances that Mitch gets or, or, or Matthews gets, they're, they're not around the crease. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it's always from the outside in. And, yep. and I think this is the main issue with this team right now. There's, well, they're too perimeter, and yeah. it's easy. Okay, look, Price made some amazing saves. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's too easy for these goaltenders. Yeah. Um, with with no traffic around them, and I I just think that you've got to pay a bit more of the price to score in these situations. Well, and so to your point on that, like Hyman's in the crease in Game Seven, and mm-hmm. I can think of a couple scramble plays with him particularly. Yeah. But I don't remember just price getting bumped and all this traffic. That's why I say in the last few games, I don't think he stole it. He was making saves, but if you're going to give a goalie shots from the hash marks out with no traffic, the NHL level, they're going to get stopped regardless of who's shooting it. So well, certainly carry price is going to stop that, right? Like that's right. Especially then, the, you know, the way he was playing. Yeah. And then you look at, and I think, you know, let's, let's get into where they go from here because I think that that kind of leads it right into it. Man, I'm so worked up here. I'm so I, I know. I thought I would. I thought I had calmed down. I haven't. <laughs> it's worse. Um, talking about it makes it worse. Just yeah, that's right. If you ignored it, it wasn't so bad. But now that it's just like we could go on for hours here. Um, but I looked at what so the Mikhaev, um Simmons Engvall line. Chap, chaps, before we before we get into this. Sorry, yeah. I, I, I want no, no, to finish off on one more thing of yeah of um the I, I want to talk about the playoffs in general. Okay, and I want I want to hear your take on the offici- officiating. Oh, I I, I I need to understand your take on the officiating. We haven't talked about it much, and I, look, I don't want to be the guy that complains about refereeing. That's like that's a half stand yeah. shit thing, <laughs> um, and I'm not going to do it. But I want to get your take on officiating from regular season to playoffs. Yeah. And the inconsistency between series. 
Yeah. Like, so for me, the rules are the rules, whether it's game one or game seven of the Stanley Cup final. And so you and I are big NFL fans. And when we were watching the Packers and the Bucks play and um, New or uh, Green Bay gets called for that pass interference on, on the ending drive, right? Yes, yes. And it has nothing – it really doesn't impact the play because the ball's not really close. But it's, he tugs his jersey, it's penalty. And you call it. And in the NHL, that just doesn't happen. You looked at – my God, there were guys getting tackled all over the ice. And even in that game seven, the worst part of it was Stahl tackles Dermott in the corner. Yes, it was a and, mugging. It was a money. I, I think he stole money off him. <laughs> and then there's no call. And then Engvall gets his hand out and the arm goes up. And the inconsistency to your point, like I hate that it that they're gonna let more stuff go. I think you you build your product a certain way, and then you say that you can still have hard competing hockey in the playoffs and still have the rules be the same. Yeah, you don't have to allow all this garbage that goes on and just say, well, it's the playoffs. You can still make the rules the same and, and then be consistent within it. And I, I, I hate it. It drives me crazy. It drives me nuts, man. And like, I'm watching the highlights this morning of the, the Colorado uh, Vegas game, right? Yeah. A little slash on the stick last night. Okay. The stick blows up. It's a penalty. Yep. But, but I'm telling you right now, flat out that way worse things happened in overtime. Oh. In, in in the Leafs Hab series. And I'm not gonna say one way or the other. It was worse on both sides. But yeah, just but the inconsistency of this of, of the officiating in the NHL is is a problem. And it's yeah. a massive problem. And look, if you want your product to be better and you want your stars to be playing deep into the playoffs and you want, you know, to promote these things, you you've gotta have a standard that you you set and you stick to. And that way, you know, you don't have what is it? I don't know, like the top fifteen players, top paid players 17. in the NHL out of the playoffs. Yeah. And and look, the, the NFL made changes to to protect quarterbacks to yeah. ensure that that happened and their product is better. That's their right. Product is better. Connor McDavid didn't draw a penalty in four games. Isn't How's that, that possible? Insane. And when you watch those games, it was like, well, these are penalties. And they're just like, yeah, but it's the playoffs. That No. You can not. be super hard to play against with within the rules and it still be the playoffs. I'm I'm really frustrated with officiating in general. Yeah. But this this playoffs was really tough for me. Just just kind of seeing kind of how things unfolded and Look, I'm, I'm not saying it. Look, the Leafs could have got power plays and still not scored. That, that was clear. But <laughs> They could have got 100 power plays. They could have got 100 and still not scored. But, <laughs> but, it's, but that's not the point. It's, it's not right. the point. It's, it's the, the, the game be- changed in game seven because of that power that penalty. play goal. And that's I'm not right. saying that wasn't a penalty. It was a penalty. But it, it was. wasn't in that but game it the way they were calling it. It wasn't previously in that game. That's right. And, and that's why now all of a sudden it is. And that's why everyone was upset about it. Yeah, and I think the league has to look at it and and has to figure this out. You're either either all in on your rules or you're not. And the the way to be is is all in on the rules because teams have to build themselves for the 82-game regular season to get in the playoffs, and then you change the rules on them, and it's it's not the way to go. Yeah. It just isn't for me. 
Good. And, I, I wanted to get that one out of the way. I'm sorry. I yeah. Have to but no, you're right. There. You're also right. That had, like, we just talked about it, but it had nothing to do with why that Toronto was so flat. Like, no. Like no. that second goal and ended the game. You knew they weren't getting three on Carey Price, but I don't think they were getting two. Like, I just don't. They weren't. I mean, they didn't. But they, yeah. there was no sign of life for them, no matter what was going on. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I, I think going forward here for the Leafs, I, they talked yesterday. They're clearly not trading any of the the big four guys. You would, you would trade Marner if it's if it's your choice, right? Look, there's there's two, you know, uh, streams of thought here for me. There's what I would do, and and then there's being predictive and what the Leafs will do. Yeah, right. I look. I, I think there's a couple of players out there that I would move Marner for in a heartbeat. Yeah, I would move him for. I, I would be calling Buffalo and I'd move him for Jack Eichel if that was available. I think that's a trade that both teams would make. Yeah. Um. If if I'm the GM of the Leafs. Yeah. Um. And look, I I think Seth Jones is an interesting um piece that um that is clearly not going to return to Columbus. Um. And um. I think he's an interesting piece for the Leafs as well. Right, that gives you a lot of flexibility this yeah. year with your with your cap, your cap as well yeah. as um, um, you know you get an elite shutdown defenseman as long as you can sign that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now I'm in the same boat as you. I would trade Marner, but for for kind of different reasons. In that you can't trade Tavares, you're not trading Matthews. And I want some salary cap flexibility because I think the biggest issue that the Leafs had in, in that series to me, especially when I look at Colorado and Tampa, is I don't see the guys in the bottom half of the lineup who can produce on a 16-win playoff team. You know, Engvall and Mikhaev, they're never going to score a goal. They couldn't score in Newfoundland senior hockey. They just <laughs> they could, on Sunday afternoon when everyone's in the like half in the bag still. They couldn't they, – they weren't ever going to score. Simmons is on the power play and didn't have a single first assist all season. Joe Thornton's on the power play, and he's got less than 10 points on the season. Like, they just – they don't have that second group, that second wave. I think Kerfoot, to me, proved that he he's somebody they should really look at keeping. Um, and then you've got – after that, though – what are you hoping Nick Robertson's a player and, but there's just nothing else where you go. And I don't know where you find it in the discount bin in free agency. It's, it's going to be an interesting uh, off season here. Yeah. I look, I being predictive. I don't think the Leafs are moving Marner. Okay? No, neither do I. I think I don't um, think he's going anywhere. I, don't I think, think they're running anywhere. it back. I think they're going to die on this, on this hill. Yeah. Right. That was clear yesterday from yeah. their, from their conversations with the media. And, and look like, it's you got to have of players, a lots of stars, lots of stars are, you know, didn't win until they did. Right. Yeah, that's right. Right. So, so look like these guys are young. Um, Marner still has a lot of hockey left in him. Yeah. Uh, he was, he, he, he was what fourth in the league in scoring this year, third in the league in scoring. Yeah, um, like and you know, okay. We're, we're, we're moving on with these guys, but to get this team, and and to to get this team over the hump and to make this team better, I, I agree with you that the one thing that's missing on this team for me is a legitimate third line. Yeah, they have and, two fourth lines. 
look, fourth line, I, I, I think they got a lot out of their fourth line, but yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. But what I mean is like, there isn't that third line that's that you play 15 minutes a night who's super dangerous and chips no, in. exactly. And they have two lines that do a lot of things and be physical. Like if if I'm looking yeah. at a blueprint for the Leafs, right? It's Tampa. Like yeah. that. It's Tampa, and they bring in Coleman and Goudreau, and um, and and then you've got Sorelli that becomes like an elite kind of middle six or player you know what i mean can go up and down yeah. your lineup and it's just an awesome third line like an unbelievable third line and yeah. and and it was the biggest difference in the playoffs last year okay like but it allows your stars to be stars because they can put pressure on teams they can play big minutes and they're producing right so every game you don't need Braden point to score or that's right uh, steven Stamkos or kucherov to score these guys are producing and and making it difficult on teams that have like the Habs that are playing defensemen you know 34 minutes a game four guys 34 (laughs) minutes a game right like it's if I'm looking at a blueprint that's what I'm looking at how do I get bigger faster and and better on on that third line and and then look I'll, I'll I'll make some adjustments I'll find bargain bin guys to play on the fourth and yeah um and I, I think my top six are good. Yeah. And the other thing it does is if your third line can chip in with a goal, then the other team has to open up sometimes a little bit more because now they need to get it back. And, and now all of a sudden there's just that much more space for your big boys to operate and get theirs. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that they could have played that, that Engvall line all day long. There was, and they did for whatever reason. And they were never going to score. So I think I think you're really going to see the big boys are staying. And I guess ultimately, I think it's the right decision in that like you got to have stars. Okay, I get that. I talent wise, it's the right decision. Cap wise, I think I think it's the wrong decision. But they're going to stick with those guys. And but if it's me, I'm I'm getting rid of Engvall. I'm getting rid of Mikhaev. They're you can find those kind of players all day, but you got to get some guys on the third line, like Goudreau and Barclay or, you know, Burkowski in, in Colorado guys who Charlie Coyle in, in Boston guys who can really actually contribute offensively in games that, that are hard. And I, I think they're going to, that's where they've got to make the biggest changes. And, and, I, but I don't know if they're going to do that because they're in love with some of these guys. Yeah. Look, I think they have to, I mean, and, and Shanahan's experience to really yeah. kind of says to me that look at those Detroit teams as well. Right. Those, those, that third line was, uh, but those are Draper, pretty capped teams. Be, like, Oh, sorry. Guys, those, yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Like these guys were not, <laughs> they were hard to play against and they played a lot of minutes and then you had like all your tough guys on fourth, but, I know hockey is different now than, than then, but look, if, if the playoffs are going to be officiated the way they are, you've got to have these players. You've got to have these players. Yeah. And um, I can't be a Wayne Simmons who can't score. Yeah, exactly. I've seen, I've seen Dubas make some changes now that have bettered the team. There's no question. Yeah. And I, I fully expect him to make the right decisions in the off season here. I think, I think that's what he's going to do, Chaps. I think, you know, you mentioned Kerfoot, of a guy sticking around. I think if you're going to to be 
you know, this type of team and take a step forward and have that big kind of fast, strong middle um, or yeah. bottom six. I think Kerfoot with his salary is a guy that's primed to, to be moved. Yeah. I, I really do. I, I think at what, what is he? 3.5 guy? 3.5. And, and they just, they can't afford stuff like that. But, and I, but I, yeah, he, he likely goes, even though I think he played well enough that he you want to keep him. Excellent. I'm not going to like, yeah, he, he played excellent. He was one of their top two or three players. There's no question. Um, but, but, and I really love his versatility played well in all ends and all situations of the game. And, uh, but I think if you're going to make a step forward, you know, that's, that's a guy, unless you want to put him up on the wing. Um, yeah. but, but I don't think that happens. I think you need kind of some cap space here to, to get Hyman back. And I think you've got to move him as well to get, um, to get that third line where you want it to be. Well, and, and cap space is going to be like, it's a problem. We're not. This podcast is not going to be talk about the cap podcast. <laughs> like we're just never going to do it. We talk about it a bit, but like there's nothing worse in hockey now than every every decision has to be made based on the salary cap. It's it's just not fun. But like, okay, Freddie goes. You got five. Kerfoot goes. There's eight and a half. You know, some other guys drop off. You probably got about twelve million dollars to work with this summer to get a backup goalie and retool your third line. That's actually some pretty good money to, to operate with. So I think you're right. They're going to make changes in that area. I Dubas is not anybody who instantly was like, Oh, we got to fire Dubas and Keith. That's no. never happening no. now because I think they have made a lot of really good decisions. That said, we'll see this time next year because <laughs> they, this happens again. Then I think they're all gone. Yeah, but, I, I I agree. They're they're gonna get one more chance here. That's right. This is the, this, this summer. Yeah. This summer is a huge summer for that front office, because if they if they go out in the first round again, and it like and it doesn't matter how they go out, they could go out in seven games and be the most dominant team out there, and still it, it won't matter. I think there's changes next year, but we'll deal with that. <laughs> Leaf fans already looking forward to next year's first round. I know, so, I know. Jesus. So and the worst. So I think, you know, I think you and I are, are are on the same page, I think, with this in that, like, the big four come back. you got to tinker underneath them. If you can move Marner, you do it. But I, I don't see it happening. I just – I think – I don't think they believe it. I think they fully believe in, in what they've got. Um, I also think they fully believe in Campbell. I don't think they're going to be bringing in another guy above him. I think they're bringing in, like, a one – a one B not a one a, I think they look at him as the guy who's going to play 50 games next year. And they're going to look, you know, for somebody who can take maybe 25 to 30 games next year. And that's what they're going to do. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's what's happening as well. I think you're going to see someone come in about the same level. I, I yeah. wouldn't expect kind of a star goaltender coming back. No, um, no, not at I all. I think it's going to be on the cheap and, and they're going to roll with that, and and hopefully, you know, Campbell can can have the year that uh, that he had this year because he played lights out. And okay, one bad goal, the Gallagher goal wasn't great, but he played well enough to win that series. There's no question he was he was he was not the problem. No, he um, but look, I got one more question about going into next year. Yeah, and look, the defense this year was 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 really good. They they were really good. But what do you do on the defense in this offseason? You know, you're, you're going to lose 
Bogosian here. Um, you're potentially look. You we haven't talked about the expansion draft, but you're going to yeah. lose another player there. Um, That's where I think Kerfoot goes. It, it could be. It could be. Yeah. Um, but but look, there's um, there's some things to do on this blue line as well. Right? Yeah, I I'm not as big a Justin Hall fan as as other people are. I think well, he really got exposed. The second half of the season wasn't great for him, and then like playing without Muzzin, it was he got exposed. He, um, even when he was playing with Muzzin, he he had a poor series. Like if we're talking yeah. about guys that had poor series, he's on that list. He's on that list, he, and he I don't really is on that list. I don't think he's a top four defenseman. I just don't. And like if it's me, I'm more apt to keep a younger Dermot around because I I kind I like Dermot a little, you know. They're both the same to me, and Dermot's cheaper and younger. And I think Hall is just – I don't think he's as – I think he's carried by his defense partner. So I'm – i am if I'm doing it, I'm trying to keep Bogosian as much as possible because I think if you can sign him for a million, a million and change, is just what he made this year, he's a great he's a great third-line guy for them. You've got Sandine coming in. You know, if, if you lose Kerfoot in expansion – then you still have Dermot there and you can almost roll run back the same defense core, but I would be looking to upgrade on Justin Hall big time because I think the, they really get exposed when Muzzin, like when Muzzin goes out or, or even just like you said, like Hall, even with Muzzin in the second half of the season and the playoffs wasn't, wasn't really that good. So for me, it's, it's that, kind of third fourth defenseman spot that they really got to look at upgrading but i don't know how you do that with the cap that they got i i don't either i don't know how they're going to do it either but man i i looked at i'm looking around at these teams that are still in the playoffs and look at their d man their d are different than the leafs d yeah. there's no question they're different they're bigger they're stronger they're tougher yeah and um i don't you know, think I, you can have riley brody sandine dermot like that's Hall. a lot of Hall. Hall, Hall look, Hall's, Hall's big, the same as those not, guys. He's, he's just a, taller. He's Muzzin is the only guy that's that's yeah. physical. That's the only he's the only guy that's hard on on forwards. Which is and, why Bogosian was such a great fit, and I think that's why I think you have to keep him. And I I'm looking at moving Hall out and bringing in somebody who's a a bigger, more physical type defenseman for that role. But there, I don't see them doing that either because I think. I think they love Justin Hall and the whole story. We found this guy and he's our guy. And so I don't think they're going to move him on from, well, I don't, I, I think, look, I, I don't know. This, this is, this is a bit of a sore spot for me because, because watching the half series, it became evident, right. That, okay. You know, the Perry's of the world and these guys and the Gallagher's dirtbags, they, they were having their way in the yeah. offensive zone in front they of the were. net. Um, that, that kind of breed like breeds off to other guys like um Kaka Kanyemi, uh yep. Suzuki, like these guys they get were six not inches afraid taller. to go to the front end of the net at all. And when That's the right. Leafs guys did, Leafs forwards went to the front of the net, punished. they got punished. Yep. Punished. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I think I think that's an upgradable spot, and I think that's somewhere that they have to look in the offseason also. Yeah. Yeah, that's we'll see like i said i i i don't think they're going to do it in that they're committed to their vision and their vision is not now the one thing 
I'll say is they were committed to the speed skill game two years ago and they pivoted when it didn't work. And I don't, I, I do think they can make adjustments. They've proven that they'll do it, but you know, now's now is a time where you kind of, you might need to be an asshole in the room as a GM and, and you might need to get rid of some guys that you like, or that you've kind of brought along for the ride. You can't come back with Engvall, Mikhaev, Hall, you know, in those supporting same supporting roles for me anymore. Great. You were with them with the Marlies, but enough's enough. We need, you need to upgrade in those, those spots underneath the stars. Otherwise we're going to be listening to Habs fans another year next year. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I, I, I just think that the, the bottom six needs to contribute. And not that they didn't like Spetsos and these guys, they, they contributed quite heavily, but, but just differently contributing differently, not with, yeah. points and goals with with things that that matter in hockey that 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 anyone who's played kind of understands yeah. that that physical play that that really does matter at this time of year and yeah. um and they just didn't get enough of it right they didn't like no nope. there there's uh, that's a clear um you know upgrade spot uh, on the team and um i i mean i hope they they make those moves i hope as yeah. a fan of the Leafs, because I think they're, this is like a super talented group. Oh, um, and as a fan, I just really want to to see, you know, a, a different look. Like you can still all have the vision, the Dubas vision, the Shanahan yeah. vision, with with those types of players. In my opinion, yeah, that's right. And like, let's talk Habs fans here for a minute. Oh Jesus! And we're going to give them a minute, and that's it, because they're the worst people on the planet. <laughs> they just like, what's so bad about them is they like they want they want you to know that they've won all these cups, and they're such this tradition and historic. Yeah, we get it. Okay, we get it. Move on. God, great. they're the worst. You you won a lot of cups when there were six teams. Yeah, like oh. great in the in the eighties when or in the seventies when you got to have. First pick of all French players, you got Guy Lafleur, and like, okay, cool, man. Like, you know, like I, we get it, but you've been—they've been junk for so long, and it's like, yeah, but we want all these. Who cares with your passing the torch every game? And like, oh my god, it's unbearable. No, look, Habs fans, look, there's there's three criteria for being a Habs fan. Okay, <laughs> there's three. Yeah, the the this this goes for every Habs fan that I have ever met. Number one, you must know nothing about hockey. <laughs> like it's like watching hockey with with my wife. Like I've got to explain <laughs> things throughout the game, what's happening, why that's a penalty, <laughs> what offsides is. Like that's yeah. that's number one. Number two, you have to be completely irrational about your about the team. Like yeah. irrational. Like that worse, worse than any other fan base. Oh, by, by a mile, like completely irrational. Like this is our year. We're the great, best team, blah, 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 blah. And just annoying as shit. <laughs> and, and number three, you have to complain about everything, about everything. <laughs> it's always someone else's fault. Yeah. Like if the Habs lose, it wasn't because the other team was better. It was because the ref didn't do something or there was, you know, dirty play. Like the, yeah. the, the jets are grease balls. Like it's insane to me. Like it's always something else's fault. You, you, 
I don't know. You have to be born with this inside you to become a Habs fan, I feel. And, and if and the whole Olay thing, it's just like all of it. It's just it's the they worst. can't help themselves, man. It's brutal. Like <laughs> I'm sure in last night's game, when Kakaniemi goes to the front of the net and interferes with Hellebuck, like every Habs fan in Canada just jumped off their chair. That's not interference. Like, oh. I'm sure that that's Oh, of course happened. it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then they threw something. Shit. They yelled at the TV and threw something. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. They're that, the most annoying fan base. And that's what makes losing to the Habs worse. Is so that bad. You've got to deal with these guys. Like it's just forever. brutal. Forever. We're never, you're ne- even if the Leafs win a cup with this group, it'll always be, yeah, but you blew a three, one lead. It's just, it's. Yeah. You're going to hear about this forever. It's just like, the rest of your I'm life. Getting, my old, my old billet family uh, were, you know, the father, there was a massive, he is a massive Habs fan, like just maybe the biggest Habs fan. He checks all those boxes. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, he's sending me gif after gif after gif <laughs> after the game. He can't help himself. He got to do it. Right. Like, yeah, it's unbelievable to me. Yeah. Habs fans just, they just can't help themselves. And, no, oh, they're so annoying. <laughs> oh. Now, I'm, that's it. We're done with Habs fans. We're not wasting our time on them. They're just they they're the worst. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not wasting any more anger on them. Now there's one there's one and only topic from the group chat this week that we have to talk about. Okay. And we're not going to name names here. Okay, but we're just we're just going to put it out here. When you're posting on on social media. Uh-huh. The winky face emoji suggests that something is up, <laughs> right? That's, am I wrong about this? The wink it, face emoji suggests there's something afoot. You got to be careful with the emojis, guys. Yeah. So when you say you really enjoyed something, especially this part of it, winky face, <laughs> all it leads to believe is that there was shenanigans, Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then any denial that there were shenanigans is just like, it, it's hard it's to believe at that point. That's right. There was the, 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 the winky face emoji. Yeah. So like, we're not going to name names here, but I'm just going to say like, it's getting, it, it needs to be addressed that, <laughs> that winky face emojis are for, are for innuendos and nothing else. <laughs> and don't be shocked when everybody else reads into that innuendo, rightfully so. Look, look, we I, I, we we made a promise that we wouldn't get into kind of stuff like this. So, um, but but that was that was really funny this week. <laughs> it was, now it now was... it's only funny to to like us like us four. That's but, right. And and anyone else that's listening is not going to get it. But I agree. Like the the winky face means that hey. I was up to something. I was up to I was up to no good here, and <laughs> and now everyone knows it. And I think the situation has been addressed. And I, there might have just been some misunderstanding. Is, I hope so. What, I hope it was addressed. Is what we're told, but I'm still 50-50 whether I believe the story or not. Hey, it's um, <laughs> it's these are things that you must know when, yeah. when using emojis. Yeah, emojis are are a different world, and. You got to be real careful when you when you dabble in them. You've got to be up <laughs> with the times. You you need to know the understanding. Of, of yeah, that's things. right. 
That's yes. <laughs> all right. All right, man. This has been good. This has been, been therapeutic. Fun. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure angry. where we go from here. I don't know. I don't, it's I, I thought the podcast would have more Leafs content. Now we're going to have to talk about other stuff. But that might, that might, I mean, the podcast has been a hit so far. And yeah, it, it might explode now when we can get into some more everyday kind of topics. Like we're going to talk cottage chaps here at some point. Cottage chaps you know? is, is about to come out of retirement here. Yeah. Um, and, or, I shouldn't say retirement out of hibernation. That's right. And, he, he, he comes out every June to September. Yeah. So we're going to get into that. We might, we might have AP and Lozy on here in the near future to, to talk about, uh, to talk about themselves and all the things that we've discussed so far. So I think they're going to be coming up. We're going to have some good stuff as we go here. I, I think we got to get the boys on here. I've had some other requests from, um, from, from people to, to be guests on the show. So yeah. look, I, I think obviously we, we need to get AP and Lozy in here and, yeah. um, and you know, we, we need to take our, our shots from those guys because we've been giving them pretty hard. Yeah, um, we do. And uh, you there's know, not much to take, but we'll we'll give them a shot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just those guys are, yeah, yeah. We'll give yeah. them a shot. We'll give them a shot. All right, awesome okay, man. man. Talk to you later. One. We'll see. Yeah, ya. you too. Bye. Right.